podcasting in my pajamas this is tiebreaker with ria it's all about capturing journeys sharing knowledge and letting you know that struggles are beautiful because growth comes only through efforts and struggles thank you for spending some time with me today now let's begin the transformation great leaders always have a self discipline without exception Austin McNab is CEO, co-founder and executive leader of Vispay. He did not have a beautiful childhood. He faced a lot of struggles and did all the odd jobs to help his mother. But his discipline, determination and skills made him what he is today. He now has built a team of 100 plus amazing skilled people. His goal is to create one of the most powerful companies throughout the bank card industry with transparency and honesty at every level. Listen to some of his amazing insights to become more productive and disciplined. Let's welcome Austin McNab. Welcome Austin. Thank you so much for, you know, accepting my request on LinkedIn and actually hopping on a call with me. It really means a lot. No, no, I, I appreciate you having me. I think LinkedIn is, you know, one of those uh, underused resources to connect with, you know, uh, individuals like yourself and, and myself. So I'm glad you, we found each other. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so well said. And I'm, yeah, I'm glad to be on LinkedIn and glad to be a part of your network. You know, when I first uh, kind of contacted you and when I, you know, when you sent me a few uh, articles and, you know, a few links about you and, you know, what you do and stuff, when I read, I was like, dude, I have done nothing in my life. So, you know, I have a little story. My parents kind of drifted apart and, you know, things happened. And I used to think that I am the most unluckiest person on this earth. You know, I was like, I have yeah. seen so much. I'm just 22 years old. I have seen so much, you know, and stuff like that. And then I read your story and I was like, I'm so lucky. I'm, I was so blessed. And pe- and many millennials out there, you know, there's one wrong thing that happens in their life and they start blaming, you know, they start blaming <clears throat> their living. They start kind of cursing yeah. their life. And you have been independent since you were like 10 years old. So tell us something yeah. about you. Tell us something about your early life. And then, you know, let my audience know that how lucky I am to kind of have a conversation with you. <laughs> no, no. I, uh, well, that's actually good. I'm glad you took time to you know, review that. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, um, people like to you know talk about or whatnot. One of those big things for me, especially when I learned kind of going through the history of my life is, you know, there's two things, um, you know, actions. Um, and there, there's no such thing as excuses. And, 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 you know, as you're getting, you know, growing up, so I, you know, when I was growing up, it wasn't like I was getting abused. It was, I was emotionally, you know, drained from maybe the setup and the situation that I went through with my stepfather, et cetera. You know, but that taught, well, number one, that made me make sure that I'll never end up like him. Uh, number two is, uh, don't believe what people say, let their actions tell you what they really mean. Um, and, and wow. thirdly is, you know, ex, you know, excuses, um, you know, is for the weak. And I, and I think that, you know, think about the situation we're going through across the world right now with COVID and think about, you know, um, you know, all the stuff that goes around the world on a daily basis. I mean, the biggest thing is how do you take a positive out of that, you know, and maybe, you know, help others become stronger post situation. Right. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what I went through as a kid and kind of learned over time. And, 
you know, that's why my, my circle, uh, if you would, is very small because, you know, it, it, a lot of, uh, a lot of people have a lot of talk. They, they like to, you know, have a lot of, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll do this or I'm going to do that, or I want to do this, or I have an idea, but executing it and putting action behind it usually dictates, you know, you know, who they really are. Right. You know, my dad taught me, right. You know, a long time ago, my mom and dad were divorced when I was very young. You know, he said, Hey, you are who you are when no one is watching. Wow. And, yes. and I think that's uh, I think that's a home run hitter, you know? So when no one's watching me, when, you know, I'm not talking to individuals like you that are trying to help others across the world and, and, or whatnot, um, you know, what am I doing when no one's watching? That usually should be who you really are. So if I'm busting my butt on the back end of all this and, and doing things where I don't want recognition for, I don't want to be known for, but it helps, you know, progress and help others become successful. Um, you know, that's why I want to be behind closed doors, behind the curtain. And then when the curtain is opened up, you know, they may not even know it was me, you know, and they may not even know that was impactful, impacted by me. And I, and I'm okay with that. Um, so yeah, so those are a lot of things I learned growing up and, you know, I could have said I, I was lucky too. I had a hardworking mother. She worked six days a week, you know, busting her chops to, you know, put food in the table, give me kind of cool clothes back in the day and, and all that stuff like that. So, you know, there's some positives to it too. You know, I, I'm at where I'm at today because of how my mom, you know, had her actions in play. Her action was work hard. Her action was do whatever it takes to put food in the table and help my son succeed. And believe it or not, although my dad was, you know, not involved physically on a daily basis, you know, but when they got divorced, when they were, when he was, uh, when I was five, I mean, he called every day until the day I was 18. Yes. Like, there wasn't miss, one missed call from him because he was in the military and he was obviously and never really close to us. We were always kind of further away from him. Um, but there was a lot of positives that went on too growing up. It wasn't all horrible, but at the same time that, you know, when I spoke, when you read the story about me, you know, I spoke from what a 10 year old or a 12 year old or a 14 year old was feeling at that time. Um, and, and that definitely has helped me become who I am today. And, and I take a lot of the positives, you know, because if I did not go through what I went through when I was a kid, watching exactly. my stepfather and going through that, um, you know, I might have a different perspective on life today. I might not exactly. want more. Exactly. I might believe, I might believe the words coming out of my mouth is the truth, not the action behind it, you know? So uh, it helped out a lot. So there's a lot of positives, uh, you know, coming from a lot of negative situations about your life, I think. Wow. You know, that was so well said. You said that, um, you know, uh, you became what you are today because of the struggles you faced. And that is what this podcast is all about. You know, uh, so that being said, do you somewhere kind of thank your stepfather? Because if he was not like that, maybe you would not have become like this. Does this make sense? So, you know, he was, he was, you know, playing the bad role and stuff, but are you thankful for him for the way he was? Let it be very bad or let it be, you know, or whatever it is. So are you thankful? Are you like, yeah, I'm thankful. You know, I'm thankful to you. How, you know, whatever you have done, however you were, it helped me become what I am today. Yeah. You know, my, you know, I remember, um, you know, and the answer to your question, a quick answer to that is, yes, I am thankful that he was in my life. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, uh, when I was 14 years old, um, I remember uh, he kicked us out of the house in the middle of winter. And I had to live in the basement of a friend's, uh, one of my mom's friend's house for probably six months to a year. And his words, for some odd reason, always brought her back in. And I told her, mom, let's move back to California from Iowa. Let's go buy, you know, my brother. Um, I'll take care of you. 
I'll, I'll make it work. Right. And, uh, you know, and then several years later, probably when I was around 19, 20 years old, maybe, probably maybe 21, you know, believe it or not, I actually picked, and now they, they've been separated at that time for years. Um, I, I called them actually randomly one, one moment late at night, I was thinking about, oh. you know, this kind of the struggles we went through and what he put us through. And I actually thanked him. And I said, thank you very much for, you know, unfortunately for you being kind of a deadbeat. Um, but fortunately for me, um, you were in my life because you taught me the meaning of, you know, you know, wow. the, basically just do opposite of you and I'll be a great father. I'll be a great husband. I'll be a hard worker because, you know, my mom worked all the time. He never worked. And, you know, but I did call him later in those years and, and I did thank him, you know, uh, he has since passed, you know, since, um, since that happened, I think he passed maybe a year or two years ago. And I'm, I mean, I, w- I would be the last guy to ever go to his funeral, but, um, but I definitely, uh, was very thankful he was in my life. And you know what? Um, the, the struggles or the bad situations for me, it was an emotional drain. It was an emotional abuse to me. I felt like, you know, how he, how he treated me when I was growing up. And, but that forced me to be a man very quickly. That forced me to grow up very quickly. I was selling egg rolls door to door at 10 to help my mom out with money. I was selling candy door to door at 13, 14, you know, in, in more wealthier neighborhoods, um, to, to get money, to get my mom, you know, I, I was doing things that, Instead of my kids today, my kids today, they're playing with their friends. They're enjoying, you know, um, sports. They're enjoying luxuries that they'll never understand, you know, how hard it was to get where we're at today. And you know what? My mom could say the same thing. She came, she immigrated from Vietnam. Um, and it's not like she was wealthy growing up, you know, she, but she always wanted a better life for me. And I think that I took that from her. And now that I'm trying to do the same for my kids. But yeah, I'm very thankful he was my life. Uh, I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't want to have it any other way. I mean, it sucked in the moment. It sucked uh, during the situations that we went through for all those years from the age of, I think, six all the way to 14. Um, it, you know, it, it, it was definitely not an experience I wish upon anyone. Um, but you know what? It was a chapter in my life that, you know, I would, uh, I would uh, always reread to remind me, wow. you know, what not to do. So, wow. <clears throat> you know, there are two types of people. The one who kind of see the situation and like you, like one, like you, who you literally made sure that your mom does not go back to your father. And you literally took care of her at the age of 14, which is, which we can't even think about. Like 14 is, that is you, you are not mentally stable. You know, you are, you are that small little kid who is like, you know, who does not, who, who's dreaming, you know, who's, who's little, who's very small. And there's another who becomes bad who starts all, you know, who starts getting those bad habits and, you know, and he's blaming the situation again. So now, uh, so I think both of them are not wrong because that's a very tender age and people start doing things they're not supposed to just because they're not given the right guidance. But how can we help or how can, you know, how do you decide the right and the wrong. How can a person decide that this is the right thing for me? This is the wrong thing for me in spite of having no guidance in my life, you know? Well, you know, that, I think that's a good question. And I think that was well put when it comes down to two different types. Um, you know, I think that, you know, anyone that's maybe in a, a struggling situation, a bad situation, they, as they grow up, they may think that's normal. You know, they may think that, you know, this is normal, you know? So, cool. I'm just going to roll with the punches and this is normal. Um, and there's the ones that have a thought process. I want more. I want a bigger house. I want to, I want more money in my, you know, my mom's bank account at that time. Now mine, right. I want, I want uh, nicer shoes. I want nicer, 
you know, pants, you know, you know, I got made fun of for clothes I wore when I was younger. I got made fun of for how small my house was when I was younger. You know, I got people that would walk right past me because they thought I was the poor kid in school. You know, I've been down that road before. And you know what? I didn't, I did not enjoy the feeling. So I wanted to put action in play to change how the way I felt. And some people are not willing to put, you know, because most kids, you know, that are going through that, they may not have the willpower or think it's even possible to get that feeling to go away. And, I, and I'll tell you this, if their kids are listening or individuals going through the situation at a young age, if there's a will, there's a way. And if you put your mind to it, you can get more, you can, you can feel differently, you can feel more positive because it's all about attitude and effort. You know, I had to change my attitude. So when someone busted my chops on how small my house was, I thought about how big I wanted my house to be when I was older, when I get older. When someone was telling me how crappy my shoes were because I had holes in them, you know, I thought about, gosh, I can't wait to have a closet full of 10 of them, right? Wow. I could easily have just said to myself, this is normal. This is the feeling that I'm going to have forever and I have to be okay with it. Um, and, and, and for the individuals that feel that way, I'll tell you right now, you're wrong. You can get out of it. You just got to have a good attitude and focus on your future and always want more. Um, and your effort has to be, you know, pushed behind that, which is the action. You have to take the necessary effort to make change happen in your livelihood. Even at a young age, you could do that. You know, I don't care if it's selling lemonade door to door or, or at, at your house. I used to do miniature garage sales at my house randomly in the summer to make quick money. I would sell all this extra stuff my mom's collected over the years. You know, at you know, 12, 13, even nine years old, I think I was doing it. I used to sell literally paper towels you could buy at like Walmart that my mom would stack up on because she was, you know, uh, because she got them at a discount with coupons. And I would sell them in a garage sale for, you know, 50 cents more so we can make more money. You're like, Wow. I would just do those things because I want more. So if you're a kid out there and you're, you're thinking to yourself, gosh, you know, the feeling of getting made fun of or the feeling of you're basically a nobody at that point in time. You know, I went to 12 different schools growing up. I mean, I had to adapt very quickly. You know, it's like going into a waters when you're a new kid in school, especially when you don't have money and you look poor and you look broke and, and you come from that, you know, uh, background to a certain extent. Um, well, I didn't want that feeling anymore. So I had to make change. And I think, wow. you know, anyone, again, listening, you definitely can have a different mindset. Attitude and effort. That's what it's all about. So, Wow. And then there are two types of wants. One is like a healthy want and another one is unhealthy want. So basically, if you're an entrepreneur and you have got that unhealthy mindset, it is going to destroy your business. It is going to overpower your need to help your clients. So what do you have to say about this particular situation? Because if you see today... People are working for money only. So you may, you are, you're not just, you know, I, I, I read your story. I saw about you. You like, you literally, your, your company is like doing so well right now, but because you, you, you know, you are, what do you call that? You're still down to earth. You know, your values, you are not letting your values or you're not letting anything overpower you. But how do, how do we say, you know, how do we kind of say out, send out this message to people out there who are only in the industry or only in the business to earn money to, you know, fulfill their wants and not think about anything else? Well, you know, I, I think any one of us naturally, if, you know, we say money means nothing that's incorrect. I mean, money puts food on the table, money allows you to have things that you want, etc., um, but I do agree that sometimes you do have to put that aside. You know, there's a couple of things I don't allow around me, especially in a work environment, you know, with all my colleagues here and the people that work for our company is number one, I don't allow people to, um, 
be okay with being average. You know, uh, they need to be above average. And if they're going to be around here at our company, they need to be creative. They need to be outside the box thinking. They need to be above coming to work just to be here eight to five. And every person at our office, at our company, they have that, they have that uh, ability. And helping them become successful is more important for us as ownership of myself than us becoming successful. I'm going to be successful. You know, I know that in my head. I'm confident. That's just part of me growing up. I'm, I just know I'm going to be successful, right? But helping others succeed. And everyone has a different definition of success. Maybe you want to be a better husband. Maybe you want to be a better wife. Maybe you want to be a better father. Maybe you want to make a lot of money. Maybe you want to be able to buy your mother a car. I have no clue what that level of success is in your mind definition-wise. But what we do here is we don't allow people to just be mediocre and be simple thinking. We want them and challenge them to be better. Because you know what? They spend more time at our office and around guys like me than they spend around their own loved ones or their own family. So if they're and we're holding them accountable here to be above average, holding them accountable to be creative thinkers and actually go outside the box, those individuals will bring that outside of our office and they will bring that home. They'll bring that to their families. They'll bring that to their friends. And they'll be more, they'll be, they'll, they'll be a person that people can count on. They'll be a person that's, you know, uh, an individual that's not okay with just being average. And that also helps with their home life, you know, as well. Because I don't think what we do every day is specifically us just busy pay becoming successful. You know, I think every day we come to work is how can we help others be successful in and wow. out of our office? And that's what I think the difference maker is. Wow, that's awesome. Wow, that, that, that's a leader, you know, that, that's what leader does. Uh, now, um, <clears throat> you said that you don't really allow mediocrity. So you are, you don't like the, you don't like, you know, having a uh, uh, you know, people. You need people to push them. You know, you 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 kind of push people. You make sure that you know they are giving their hundred percent. You are making sure that they unleash the true potential. So, in the first place, how do you hire them? How do you know that this person fits into my, uh, you know, in, in my company? This person is the one I want to work with. Like, how do you kind of go through the screening process? Because how do you understand in the in the very first go that this is the person I want to work with? <clears throat> Well, that's, it's funny that you even bring that up because we were just talking about this, you know, yesterday. Um, I do have a defined mental uh, idea of how I, you know, like to hire people. I usually hire by my gut instinct. Resumes, I usually throw in the trash. I don't care to look at them. I want to get to know them personally. I want them to tell me about their life. I want them to tell me about the history. And there's not one person, not one person at our company that has been hired that doesn't have a chip on their shoulder. What I mean by that is, they have something to prove. They needed a second chance. People looked over them, you know, for opportunities. They could be a woman. They could be the color of their skin. They could be their, their resume is not long enough. Those are the individuals that are the most creative-minded people. If you give them opportunity to succeed, and they have something to prove. They want to prove that they can succeed. They want to prove that their ideas matter. They want to prove, you know, that they can help a company that is small as us you know, get to the top level and they're a big part of it. They want to prove those things. They they want to they want to be able to, you know, you know, go from maybe that job they got fired from and like, man, I made a mistake, but no one will give you another chance. And, you know, when they have a chip on their shoulder, they become the most loyal. They become the most, you know, hardworking individuals you could ever meet because they were given an opportunity when everyone else passed them by, overlooked them because of 
maybe their background, maybe because they were in daycare for 12 years of their life and God forbid they go into the payments world or maybe because, you know, um, you know, their background or any of those um, uh, things I just mentioned is against them. Well, you know what? We are the most diverse group of people here you ever meet. If you walk in our office today, you'll be very surprised at how diverse we are. You know, when it comes down to age, when it comes down to nationality, when it comes down to background, but every person in here has a chip on their shoulder. Every person in here has something to prove. And it may not be to me. It could be themselves. They could, you know, they could be to their family. It could be their friends. It could be to the people, everyone that's doubted them or everyone that's maybe looked past them because maybe they have failed at one point in time in their life. And then we are the ones that are going to be giving them the opportunity to come in. And, and, and those are the individuals I want to be around. I want to be around those individuals that have failed and have messed up and have, you know, fallen down because you got to get back up again. And I think our office opened that door to those individuals wow. to come in. And I'm not saying they were losers. They were, none of them were. Not one person here is a loser. They're all winners in my mind. And what they do with that opportunity is going to be the big difference between are they going to fail here or not? And that's where it comes down to we don't allow mediocrity. We don't allow average here. We only allow above and beyond. And those are the people that last year. And a lot of the people here we have a very low attrition rate. We went from one employee in 2017. We're all the way up to 35 employees already in a short, not even three and a half years yet, you know, uh, because we started in April in 2017. And we have a very low attrition rate because you know why? Because we know by gut instinct and by those individuals coming here telling us what they're looking for above and beyond, you know, every failure in their life, we, we look at them differently. We want to work with individuals that have a chip on their shoulder. And that's a key word, a chip on their, sh- words, uh, a chip on their shoulder because they just want a chance. They want an opportunity to succeed and feel that, feel how that feels and, and, and move past maybe the past failures or maybe past times they skin their knee or whatnot, or other jobs and you know, other um, places of work. And our culture is much different here. I mean, we are laid back. I ask people to be themselves at work. Don't be anyone different. I don't need you coming here acting like you're some corporate, you know, know-it-all. Come in here being yourself. Be willing to learn. Be willing to be open-minded. Be wow. willing to be challenged. And be willing to step outside the box once in a while for the opportunities that we will present you um, uh, frequently in their career. So anyways, that's what I would say is what I look for when I um, hire people. And I think that's why we have a, we have a force to be reckoned with. And, and we're, we are definitely going to be disrupting our business because the crew we're hiring. And it's all about them. It's not about me. It's not about the partners. Wow. These are the ones, these are the ones, these are the guys driving the success, not me. I'm just here. Uh, my door is always open, you know, but I, I, I talk to everyone in here. Uh, I'm no better than them. I'll pick up trash on the floor with them. I'll clean the kitchen with them. You know, I'll, wow. I'll clean out the fridge when I need to. You know, I'm not too big to do all that stuff. And these guys know it. And I think that's uh, that's a big positive for these guys. So, Wow, that's amazing. <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I, I understood the word selfless the moment when you, uh, uh, you know, when you were like 10, 11, 12 years old, whatever you earned, you went and you gave it to your mom. So that is what yeah. it, it, it is all about. And that and this, like, if you are kind of... Uh, like that at the age of 10 or 12, we can definitely understand that what, what wonders or how, what kind of entrepreneur you're going to be now, you know, taking care of your employees, like they are your, you know, that's amazing. You know, that's amazing. Uh, wow. I'm, and isn't it ironical, you know, uh, you, um, like at a very young age, you were, you only saw, you did not really see a lot of, uh, love, 
it was just your mom you have seen a lot of you know uh, rejections lot of uh, people not really you know not re- your father your stepfather and stuff but then you turned out to be a man like this like so kept uh, uh, selfless trying to help others it's very rare because if if you know if you if you go through a lot even if you're doing something good you make sure that you know you are a little selfish you are a little um, you know self centered you don't really you know you want to make sure that you are taken care of first because because that will haunt you what a, what the past is going to haunt you some way or the other but you know how does how do you you know i don't know how this happens you know how, i don't know <laughs> uh it's I, i think i think it's i think it's one of those things you know you know willing to be lead by example you know i'm first one in last one out usually at the office you know i don't want anyone ever here to think that i am too good i'm not going to be golfing you know in the middle of the day middle of the week these guys need to know that i'm here with them in the trenches you know and you know growing up in the situation i went through you know it was never good enough for my stepfather it was never good enough no matter how good i tried or how uh, how hard i tried to please him to make him happy and just to give some sense of you know love or whatever it may what i was looking for i didn't know what the hell i was looking for probably at that age you know but i was looking for some sense of maybe affirmation maybe some confirmation i'm doing well something like that but i realized a long time you know at that young age that you know you can't expect that you just have to do what's best for the people around you uh to help them get to the next level um and and, and success will come naturally you know success is going to come for myself and success is going to come for my business partners because i think the culture we're building here is is it shouldn't be us first it should be the individuals here first and us second and that's the way it should be um and i thought the same way when i was younger you know and the i'm if you ask anyone in my office how hard i am when it comes down to being good at what they do i'm a pretty hard guy to deal with sometimes when it comes down to you know um being candid very upfront with you what i do and do not like and that probably came from when i was younger when i was you know always being told i was doing the wrong thing but i i i switched it around to make it i'm adapting to those individuals i do not talk to every employee the same as i talk to the next one everyone i have adapted to accordingly based on their personality and who they are and and being willing to do that as a leader is pretty darn important too you know because not not everyone will respond well at getting yelled at and not everyone will respond well at being nice and not everyone will respond back you know well by belittling them you know you can't always do those things you you know you have to be able to find what ticks in the people that you're helping to try to succeed and then take them to that next level um and and that's what we are focused here on you know at a busy pay and and i think that's what entrepreneurship's about it's and don't get me wrong we all want to be filthy rich we all want to be billionaires we all want to be billionaires you know hey i do too by the way i i'm no different than all the entrepreneurs out there that are working their butt off to have financial freedom and not have someone tell them what to do all day but that's but but that during that process well hopefully you're doing it the right way as you get there and and if i and again when we when i see our employees starting to buy new cars and starting to buy new houses and starting to have kids and starting to get married all those cool things we're starting to see now as we kind of grow grown you know what that's a that's a smile that i have in the background that no one sees because i'm so stoked to see it wow. and these guys all deserve it so wow that's awesome wow 
<laughs> I'm just saying wow because it is it is like it is a beautiful you have put it so nicely and it really makes a lot of sense you know I think all the entrepreneurs out there should listen to this everybody who's trying to manage a team or whatever it is they should listen to this it is very important wow <clears throat> oh and do you believe in micromanagement you know, uh, to a certain extent, I do. Um, I think that, you know, when someone, like I said, we like to work with individuals that have chips on their shoulder and ready to rock and roll, ready to go in, but sometimes they need guidance. And I think micromanage can be de- defined in a lot of different ways. I think initially there needs to be guidance. I'm a big believer in process, you know, have, giving them a process, giving them a framework to succeed, and then allowing them to go outside the box, you know, above and beyond the initial framework to do additional things and let them be creative doing it allows them to take more ownership of that, you know? So initially, yeah, Hey, this is the process. This is how you're going to succeed. This is how you do things. These are the steps, et cetera. That may be considered a little micromanagement because we make sure they do that perfectly. But outside that framework, we want them to be outside the box thinkers. We want them to be creative. We want them to come to me ideas. You may come to my office for 10 ideas in a row and I might say no to nine. You know, or I might say yes to nine. I just don't know until I hear it. But I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. I want everyone else around me that brings a lot of different backgrounds to the table to give us ideas because we will be better if we allow our people to think. We will be better if we allow them to be creative. But we also have to set them up for initial success with framework of how to succeed in that position. No matter if it's an IT position or a sales position or a recruiting position, we still got to have framework to have them succeed. That's like um, it's like building a house and having all the walls up, uh, the, the wood up, and the framework up, and the basement all built, etc. And, and now allowing a designer to come in and design it all, you know, and making it better. They got the framework. Now design it. Be creative. Wow. Have fun with it. Um, that's the same concept here. We'll give you the framework. We'll give you the foundation to succeed. Now, what are you going to do with it above and beyond it? Above, above and beyond the framework. And some people, believe it or not, will just work with it within the framework, and they'll still succeed. But most people here, they take it the next step and they go outside the framework. They'll continue with the framework, but they'll go outside to add to it. And those are the individuals that I think take it to the next level and allow them to take advantage of opportunity that they've been given. Wow. You love your team. You know, it clearly, you know, it clearly, <laughs> you are, you're, you're yeah. so clear about it. <clears throat> okay. How, how do you say no? You know, like it is... Being an entrepreneur, there might be many situations and one day, like in every single day, there might be many situations where you have to say no, like you need to kind of fire your employee. You need to kind of take the decisions that are not really, you know, not, uh, not very good, but it's good for the company. And how do you manage that? Well, you know, saying no is, you know, one of the biggest things entrepreneurs probably need to get used to, Um, you know, because number one, uh, we get no a lot from when we're trying to get clients. Okay, so rejection is already there in our livelihood. Um, but saying no is—I wouldn't say it's an often thing. You know, as long as you're willing to give me facts behind why you're trying to do something, and it's within our process, I tend to say no a lot more when it's initial framework. You know, like hey, stick with the framework, follow the process, and then after that, let's let's uh, uh, change things up, right? Um, but saying no to an individual you know, wanting to maybe buy something that doesn't, you know, shouldn't, you know, be bought at the company level right now. Because I also know that every penny, anytime I say no, that probably impacts our bottom line at some level. Because an idea probably costs a little bit of money. You know, 
uh, someone wants this, it probably costs a little bit of money, right? Um, and we have to be able to be smart, especially at a startup stage and, and, and focused on cash flow and enabling us to hire other more individuals to get us to the next level and continue, by the way, taking care of the people that are in our office with raises and promotions and all that cool stuff that we're, we're accomplishing together as we grow. Um, there is a lot of no's to protect the best interests of the company. And when I say the company, a lot of people think, gosh, you're saying no because you want more money or you're saying no because you want more stuff for the top the level, right? No. I actually say no a lot of the time because if it can't benefit everyone around you and it can't benefit your colleagues or your team members, um, then I, I'm going to probably say no. Now, if it can benefit only you only, I don't want to say yes because it has to benefit everyone around you because the whole focus is to help others succeed before yourself, right? And if you're, if you're coming out with a cool idea, let's say you came out with me a cool idea, it's going to cost a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand bucks, and that only is going to help your job be better, then it's no good. Because that means it's not helping everyone else behind you or everyone around you. So I wouldn't want to make that decision. And I would probably say no. And by the way, a lot of people don't even know they're asking for things that are specifically just to help them. They, you know, they just randomly ask. They're just used to asking for things. And, and, and me, I'm no, no different. And I, you know, but once I get it into, beat it into their heads and I beat it into my heads, whatever decision I make on a daily basis, number one, it has to be as an entrepreneur, it can't, you can't sit and think about it for five years. It has to be a quick call usually. But my decisions usually revolve around if it can help everyone, then I'm okay with it. If it can only help myself or yourself, it's not probably okay. Wow. Makes sense. That's awesome. And uh, how do you let go somebody? You know, how when it comes, like, you, you're like, okay, it's time for me to fire XYZ. It's time for me to let go this particular employee. How, how do you deal with that? Um, honestly, that's pretty easy. I'm pretty, uh, I, I would say, I wouldn't say cold blooded about it, but I don't really have emotions about firing someone. Usually, if we're firing you, there's a probably good valid reason you know why. Um, and and, and firing someone, again, if I let someone go, it better be the best interest of the team, not the best interest of myself. Because sometimes you may not get along as an eye-to-eye. Not maybe get along. is probably not a good wording for it. But you may not see eye-to-eye with every employee. They might be rough around the edges. They might be an aggressive type of speaker to you. And you're like, gosh, you're talking to a boss that way. But I'm okay with that because that's, those are individuals that are usually challenging the status quo anyways. Um, right? So, but if it's a disease to their team, if it's disease to their surroundings and in, in, in the work environment, and they're impacting individuals in a negative way, uh, firing them would be very easy. I probably can fire people in my sleep if they're hurting people around them. So, wow, that's awesome. You're so upfront. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, you know, uh, just a few questions before. Uh, you know, we all talk about success. We want success. I want to become successful. You want to become successful. That person <clears throat> wants to become successful. Yeah. What do you think is the ingredient or I don't know if that is the right word or what do you think you need to sacrifice? I think there's a lot of sacrifices you have to make along the way. But what is the for you? For you know, Let's say if I'm asking you, how do I become successful? You know, How do I become successful, Austin? What is your answer to that? Uh, it's a simple answer. You have to be willing to risk everything to be successful. So if you're worried about paying your electric bill tomorrow morning and you want to be an entrepreneur, you probably shouldn't be. If you're worried about you know, putting food on the table um, and you know, about money or about paying rent or paying the mortgage or you have three kids and you know, you're worried about 
gosh, I'm going to go from my $500,000 house, $300,000 house. I'm going to have to be back in an apartment again if I risk, if I take a risk to be an entrepreneur. If you're worried about that, stay in your house. Don't become an entrepreneur. Don't do it because you have to be willing to risk everything. So, you know, I spent a lot of my career working for a company and I have, I have built, you know, a lot of nice things in my life. And when we started VisiPay, the, there was one this choice. It, there was two choices, excuse me. I can continue working for somebody and continue probably living a great lifestyle, by the way, right? Or do I risk everything I've worked for for the last decade? Meaning take my family to an apartment if we fail, go bankrupt, the whole works, my cars get repoed, the whole works, not paying rent, not paying mortgage, bad credit score, you name it. If I was, I, was, I had to be willing to put all that aside and, and, and give this a, a run for its money. So if you're not willing to, to risk everything, then you probably shouldn't get into the entrepreneur game. You have to be willing to risk everything. And we did. And we were probably a month, month and a half out of losing everything until our company took a turn in the positive direction. So there was that moment that was almost there for us as a company and myself. And we turned the corner and we made it. And you know what? I will remember that day the rest of my life. That's like living on the edge for that month. And and we got through it all. And and, and that was very exciting. That was and that was back in probably 2018. You know, is early 2018. We had that feeling. You know, um, and, and things took a different corner. We took a couple of pivots. We 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 made a couple you know changes within our you know model. And the next thing you know, uh, things were good. But yeah, to answer your question, if you want to be an entrepreneur, be willing to risk everything to succeed. And if you're not willing to risk everything, I wouldn't do it. Is you're probably going to be more successful in what you're doing right now, working for someone, than you are taking the risk. Wow. Wow. That was a great answer. I'm loving this conversation. Wow. You know, uh, from selling candies to selling... Um, I'm so sorry again and again. I'm like a kind of shifting you from early life till here. <laughs> it's all messy. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yep. It's fine <laughs> you yeah. know, from selling candies to selling, um, you know, egg rolls and everything, you learned the art of sales. You know, it's not easy. Not every person can, you know, can 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 become a salesperson. Not every person can go and sell sell something. <clears throat> yeah. What advice or what do you what trades do you think or how do you crack that deal? How do you close that account? You know, what according to you um, is the most important uh, sales uh, tip you want to give to all the uh, a mature salesperson or all the people who or all the salesperson out there who wants to enter and start selling efficiently. Well, you know, I think that uh, everyone sells in their own way. You know, uh, with me going to several schools growing up, um, I think it taught me how to sell myself to fit in, how I sell myself to people, maybe get a friend or two, you know. Um, so I had to, the key word is to, to adapt in sales. Um, I don't think everyone responds well or the same if you have the same type of, you know, maybe I'm an aggressive salesperson and you may not be that person I could be aggressive with. So I need to adapt to the individuals. So the salespeople out there, you know, for, for me being successful, I can't go in there heavy hitter every single time. You know, I would say I like to be the spotlight salesman, meaning I like to be the guy that has a lot of knowledge in what I do. But I also like to adapt accordingly to you to, again, to your family. Maybe I walk into your, you know, place and I see your kid plays football because you have a nice, you know, um, you know, picture up there or your, your daughter does cheerleading or whatever it may be. You adapt to that individual, understand their pain points, and be willing to take it away from them too. You know what I mean by that is, 
sometimes you have to be willing to tell that prospect or that individual you're selling that you're willing to walk away, that you're not desperate for that sale. And what happens with that is adapting and willing to actually walk away from the sale usually gets people in a pinch because, oh, no, please don't leave. Actually, I'm actually, tell me more, actually. I, you know, you're, you're basically taking it away from them. So you have to adapt to them, build a rapport with them, get to know them, and then also be willing to walk away from the sale if you need to. And giving that impression that you're not there, you, you, they're not the end-all, be-all, uh, meaning that you're not desperate for their sale. And you're willing to just pick up, literally pick your bags up and walk the heck out of the door. Um, and a lot of people don't like that. They, they, they don't want you to walk away, but they feel they want to continue being compensated. Yes. They want to continue being sold. Um, and a lot of those people end up buying from you, you know, because that you just showed them that you want to walk away and people don't like that. They don't want you to take anything away from them. It's like me, you had a candy on your, in your hand. And I take it away from you. Yeah. People are, whoa, whoa. I was about to eat that, you know, kind of same thing with the sales thing. I got a product or service in your hand. Oh, I'm taking it away now. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I actually maybe wanted to try that actually, you know? Uh, so adapting and being willing to walk away is pretty important because a lot of salespeople, they're only willing to like read a script like a robot or they're willing to go in there and it's my way or the highway of type of salesman. I'm going to be an aggressive salesman or I'm going to be a soft-spoken salesman. And you do that every door to door to door to door. And, and then you go in there and then you show the desperation of a sale. Um, I think that also kicks your butt right out the door as well. So Perfect. That's awesome. Wow. You know, we talked a lot about teams, sales and stuff. Now, how do you approach a client, you know, clients? How do you maintain that, that phase? You know, what does customer satisfaction means to you? What does uh, uh, keeping your customer forever means to you? Or, you know, how, how do you handle that part of your, you know, I personally believe that getting a customer easy is easy, you know, closing an account is easy, but consistently working for them, keeping them happy is the most difficult part. And many of them fail there. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, sales is the king of everything. You know, we've heard that, you know, time and time again, get sales is the king, right? Um, we are overstaffed in, for example, our customer service and our tech department for a reason, because we have like a 15 second hold time. Um, you know, I think one of my colleagues said a best the other day in one of their quotes we posted is every second someone's sitting on hold or waiting for help, or waiting for a decision, they're thinking about the next company they should switch to because they're holding too long. Um, so Correct. we have two different clients. So at our company, we have our sales partners that are in the field across the nation and we have our clients that are actually merchants of our company using credit cards and processing through our company. We have two types of clients. Both sides need to be happy. And to, to, to do that is finding solutions and being solutions driven. The word no in that world should not be no all the time, right? Um, I don't like the word no, by the way. We talked about it earlier, but I'm not a fan of it. Someone tells me, you know, hey, can we do this? And their first answers to me is no. I don't like that. Because, you know, we're a solutions driven company, especially on that side of it when it comes to customer service. So we need to find a solution and we need to have low hold times and we need to be able to treat Every merchant, like we've been with them, if they've been with us for a week, we need to make them feel like they've been with us for 10 years. And that's for simple things. You know, hey, Austin, how are you? You know, hopefully, you know, everything's going good in Tennessee, whatever it may be, and make them feel like they're not a number. Um, and when you feel like you're not a number calling in um, and you have, have a true, genuine, and this is the stuff you have to teach people too. Be genuine having conversations like you and I are with our clients, you know, that we have 
And those clients in return will probably give you the business forever. But most people, when you call customer service, I mean, it's a fake genuine. You know, there's no question. How are you? And then that's it, right? And what's your problem? You know, um, there's no genuine, you know, nest behind the how are you or hey, how is the, you know, I don't, it's as simple as how's the weather, you know, or it's as simple as, you know, how is, you know, how is everything going right now in Tennessee currently as you're looking up their, you know, account, whatever it may be, going above and beyond to have a discussion with them besides what's your problem? What do you want? Why are you calling me? Um, that's not what we do here. We're solutions driven. We overstaff support for a reason. So our clients always get on the phone very quickly. Hence the fact that we have 15, 20 second hold times day over day. And that's my focus to keep them for a very long time. So. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I never thought, uh, I think this will be the last question, but I never thought I would ask this question to anybody. Um, but how does your day look like? You know, I never thought I would ask this to anybody, but you know, the, the way you are, you're so punctual. You are, you know, you were like two minutes uh, before uh, the meeting, you know, was supposed to start and uh, you are on point. You're talking, you're so upfront. I want to know how your day looks like from starting till end, you know, because I think the, un, the less fortunate, yeah, I think that's the word for us who has not experienced, who has not faced any difficult, not that though, like not <clears throat> difficulties like you faced and what we want to learn from you. I think, uh, trying to find out our own story might be a little, it might take a lot of time, but we want to learn from people, from people like, you know, you are, a, you are a like real time influencer. So how does your day look like, you know? Everything. Yeah, that's that, that's a good question. So, and, I, and I'll break it down. I, I, I think I talked about it earlier. I'm a very process-driven person. Okay, I'm very disciplined in my process, and my process probably has been the same. Like with this company since day one. In my previous job, I had the same process, but obviously different workloads. Right? Is not many people know this, but I have a clock on the wall in my bathroom, and I take a shower, I brush my teeth at the same time every day. I take, I shave the same time every day. When I'm in the shower, by the way, is where I think the most. Usually, I know it's weird, but that's I, I actually take long showers. But I do that because I like to think and, and hot water. And, but I look at my clock probably four times each shower to make sure that I'm out of the shower at a certain time. And then when I get out at a certain time, I kiss my kids at a certain time. I kiss my wife at a certain time. I get in my car at a certain time. And I'm at work at a certain time. And when I get to work and I see an employee ahead of me, I'm upset at myself because that never happens. And if they are ahead of me because wow. they got there earlier than me, I felt like I even failed for that day, you know, because I want to set an example of these guys that, you know, I, I'm here with them, not, you know, not, not, not ever better than them to come after them. And that's a rare occurrence, but it, when it happens, it happens. But I do get to work at the same time every single day. And when I sit down at my office, I have the same routine. Literally, I, I work my calendar. I have meetings like myself, like I'm having with you today. But I do the same routine from the time I get in for the first two and a half hours. You know, whatever it may be, it could be my agenda, accounting, it could be overlooking the sales process, it could be the numbers, whatever it may be within what I do every morning. And then throughout the day, I do all my meetings. In between my meetings, I deal one-off situations, et cetera. Um, and I work with, you know, um, in different departments to get better, et cetera, during the day. But my day is set. I have a process every single time from the time I wake up in the morning to the time I leave work. And by the way, the only time my process gets a little bit awry is if I end up being at work a lot later because I have things to do that are outside of my control. You can only control what you can control during the day. You can control 
everything up to what's not uncontrollable, right? So I do, I control as much of my day as possible to make my days the most efficient as possible. Um, and from beginning to end, I have a process. I even go to sleep randomly the same, most of the night at the same time. You know, um, there's a lot of, I eat dinner roughly the same time. I mean, everything's risk process driven in my life, um, especially at the beginning. In the mornings, my, my process is like forbidden to touch. I mean, because I have to have, my wife knows it. She knows exactly my routine. I've been doing it for years, but I do it because I feel like it's setting me up for a successful day. And I need to have that feeling. And if I don't have that feeling, um, then um, I just don't want to have, I just don't want to have the feeling of maybe I failed my own self that day. You know what I mean? And so, and then when I see an employee here at the end of the night and they're working a little bit extra, believe it or not, they don't know it, but I actually find more work to do so I can stay here with them and make sure they leave before wow. me. You know? So, I mean, I do some like weird things like that. No, don't get me wrong. Once in a oh. while, I might get to work after someone. Once in a while, I might leave earlier than someone. But I do like small things like that because I want people to know that I'm side by side. And you know what? I'll be more productive. Since you're willing to be more productive, I'm going to even be more productive that day. Um, and those are the small things I think that as, as an entrepreneur, you should be thinking about more than yourself. Are you too hard on yourself? Oh, of course. I think I'm my hardest critic. I'm the, I'm the worst critic. Like you, you think our company is successful. We probably, we actually are successful, but it's not good enough. I'm hard on myself. We could do better. You know, am I making the wrong decisions? Am I not? But at the same time, decisions need to be made, qu- made quickly in, in a business environment, especially when you first begin. You can't double think yourself, you know? And then, yeah, sometimes I knock myself on the head and make a bad decision. And, and, and a lot of the times I make great decisions. You know, that's just part of the game, you know? Um, but absolutely, I'm my worst critic. You know, I want to be better. I want to I get smarter. I want to be a better leader. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better boss. I want to be a better, you know... So a lot of these guys, uh, a better friend than a lot of these guys, you know, I want to have an open door policy to make sure that these individuals know that, you know, I am one of them. I am not better than them. Um, And and I hold myself accountable to those things throughout the day. So absolutely, I'm hard on myself. I'm hard on myself on every angle you can think about, all the way from interactions for employees to, you know, uh, making sure that my partners feel like I'm, you know, a thousand percent, um, you know, doing them justice, you know. Um, all the way to my kids, to my wife. I mean, I'm definitely hard on myself on every angle of my life. But you know what? Um, when I correct it and I get it right, I want more. You know, so wow. it's, ne- it's never enough. You know, so I'm all, I'm probably gonna be hard on myself the rest of my life, and, and I'm okay with that. Wow. I can deal with that. Wow, that's awesome. Wow, it's a different perspective, and being punctual is everything. And I, I agree to that. Wow. And before we go, what are the few things, or what is the one last thing, or like a giveaway? What do you want to kind of say to all the audience out there, to all the listeners out there? What's that one thing you want to say, and what's that one thing you want people to know and actually follow? What, what's that one thing? That one thing is simple: is you know, you know, help others succeed before yourself. We said a lot during the call and I'm a big believer in that. And I'm a, I have a poster on my wall and you, you probably heard it at any time you've ever heard me speak, but um, actions speak louder than words. Don't tell people you're going to do something. Don't have a bunch of ideas about doing something. Take action to accomplish it after you talk about it. You know, um, talk's cheap. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're, if you're smart enough, you've been on the block, um, you know, a lot of people are gullible to believe what others say. Um, don't be that person. Let the actions of others dictate who they really are. Uh, when it comes down to, 
you know, I got guys I know that have tons of ideas, um, but they don't put ex- they don't execute behind it. They don't put any action behind it. I have a lot of people that say they, they they had a sucky day. Well, you could probably take necessary efforts to adjust your attitude and take some action to fix that. But you don't. Um, so actions speak louder than words. And you know that, that's one of my biggest takeaways. You know, from anyone is anyone in this office. If you hear them, you ask about me. What is the number one thing Austin always talks about? Actions, actions, actions. Because everyone has a million ideas. You know, everyone has a million things they can make excuses for or why they couldn't do this or they do that. But take some action to fix it. Control what you can control. You know, control your attitude, control your efforts, and what you're trying to accomplish. And I'm promising you, you'll, you'll succeed. You may fall a couple of times, but you'll get to where you want to be. And before we go, I just got this question. What is that one thing that you have learned recently that, you know, that kind of was different and you never thought you could do it like that? You know, anything. It could be any lesson. It could be any procedure. It could be anything. That's the one thing that you have learned very recently. You know, one thing I I learned recently is, you know, that um, most people mean well, you know, um, you know, when they talk to you now. I had a podcast a couple of weeks ago and talked about, you know, when most people actually tell you that they want you to succeed, they usually are lying to you. They usually want you to fail. And that's usually competitors or individuals that don't want to see others succeed. But you know, one, you know, the, the, the individuals at my office, um, they probably taught me a lot about, you know, uh, resilience. They taught me a lot about how to adapt to situational stuff. Um, when it comes down like COVID, for example, hit us, you know, we didn't even know we could be mobile and, you know, our, our individuals here put their heads together and made it work, you know, and these guys are very a resilient crew of people here, you know, and I can only talk about, you said recently learned, I would go to, you know, most people mean well, and they're very resilient individuals when it comes down to who you surround yourself by. And I think the coworkers that I have here and the individuals that I work with our company, they're very resilient people. Um, they're willing to take challenge face on um, and willing to fail, but also wanting to succeed and, and I think that's a big thing that, you know, more people than not are very resilient when it comes down to a challenge. So. Wow. Awesome. You know, if people want to connect with you, if, you, if people want to talk to you, where they can find you, how they can connect with you and a little bit about your business before we, you know, before we kind of... Uh, well, yeah. the, the easiest way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Um, I think that's one of the best ways to connect with me um, is on LinkedIn. Um, just look up Austin McNabb. Um, and... You know, and we're in the payment space. We help small to mid-sized business owners across the nation, you know, uh, eliminate uh, up to 100% of what they pay for accepting credit cards or help them out with transparency. Um, and we're disrupting our business. Um, and, you know, with the way we're doing it and the, way, the programs that we have and the culture we have, we're disrupting our business from the old dinosaur ways. And we're making waves. Um, so that, in a nutshell, what we kind of do. But we deal with basically, you know... Um, FinTech, if you would, financial technologies we build out and we help individuals accept cards, credit cards from their clients, etc. Thank you so much, Austin. It really means a lot. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys. I really hope you got some value out of this. Love you all and stay tuned for our next show. Bye-bye.